You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou... Will you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious Lord Jesus, as we hear again the story of your glorious appearing, your coming again, to judge the living and the dead. May we look forward with great anticipation to that great day. May we come to a right understanding of your word that it may lead and guide and reassure us in the meantime. Strengthen and bless us, O Lord. This we ask in your precious name, which is forever Jesus the Christ. Amen. So 1 Thessalonians is a joy to read. The apostle is pleased with the congregation, which he is not with every congregation he writes to in the New Testament. (laughs) He expresses his longing to be with them and he encourages them, but he encourages them with some strange words. Did Did you notice those words when they flicked by in the second reading? He says he longs to visit them and supply what is lacking in their faith. Many modern Christians would ask, well, as long as the church believes Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord, what could possibly be lacking in their faith? This way of thinking comes from our very modern tendency to want simple answers to complex questions. This can lead us to a bargain basement definition of what faith is, asking how little is required of us, rather than asking the better question. Through our faith, how much does our Lord Jesus wish to bless us? And why? Some observant Christian pundits have referred to this as gospel minimalism or gospel reductionism. Simplifying deep, rich biblical truth into simple slogans that lead to the habit of hoping and looking for less, too little, from our Lord Jesus, rather than the true riches that He Himself told us He comes to give. Another modern tendency is to think that peace is the normal state of the world. And I should say, a modern tendency for us here in the West. We live in the longest period of peacetime economic growth in history. We tend to think that disruptions to peace mean that something unusual, maybe even something of world-shaking significance is going on. This is not the case. What we need to get clearly in our minds is the reality that the world has never been at peace even once since Jesus Christ walked this earth. 
died on a cross, was raised from the dead and ascended to the Father. At any given moment in history, any given moment in history, on large or small scales, many parts of the human family are afflicted by the devastation of war or natural disaster. The human perception that there has ever been peace is merely because our perspectives are too myopic, too closed in. And frankly, our hearts are habitually too small to bear the monstrous reality of human suffering, especially the persistent suffering caused by humanity's endless violence toward humanity. There have always been those for whom the words of Jesus in today's gospel seem to indicate that the end is near. I'm going to be teaching a class in a couple of weeks where we're going to look. We've got, I've got two pages worth of predictions of the end of the world from Christian history. But Jesus elsewhere in the Gospels assures us that this time, that is the end time, is not something we can predict. It's something hidden from our human perception. His point in today's Gospel reading is not to help us predict the end of time but to warn us to always be awake in our spiritual lives. To seek a deeper, more mature faith that looks ever more fervently and expectantly toward God, whatever our worldly circumstances. We are, in Jesus' words, to watch not the skies or current events for portents of the impending wrap-up of all things, because those are always indicating to us that we're in the end times, but rather, Jesus says, watch yourselves. We are to watch ourselves, lest our hearts be weighed down, not by the tragedies and challenges of this life, which are inevitable, but its pleasures and its distractions. Now, what Jesus defines these pleasures as, perhaps we should pause and explore just a little bit. Drunkenness and cares of this life are obvious. But dissipation is a word we don't use very often in modern English. Dissipation involves those things that dilute our attention from what really matters in the eyes of God and in the light of eternity. When being entertained by Netflix becomes binge-watching episode after episode to the neglect of our duties and our loved ones. That's dissipation. (laughs) When we go shopping to numb ourselves to the anxiety of life, what people call visa therapy, that is dissipation. When we look at the state of the world in this or any age, it is easy to see why the cares of this life would sometimes make drunkenness and dissipation appealing. That is why Jesus had to offer the warning. (laughs) Perhaps, perhaps because of that reality, Maybe that's why Christians sometimes speak of those who experience a deathbed or end-of-life conversion as though they were lucky. 
As though they got to have all the fun, enjoy all the dissipation and the ill-gotten gains, and not worry about how they were going to answer for it at the end of life, but just kind of got to get out of jail free card at the 11th hour. Even more often, I've heard Christians speak longingly of the first blush of their conversion, when their zeal burned bright and the sort of new car smell of being a Christian hadn't worn off yet. They wish it was as easy to be a Christian now as it was back then, when they were first come to a true and life-changing faith. Fortunately, our Lord Jesus wants more for us than the excitement of a first kiss or the hollow victory of eking out a passing, barely passing grade. He wants for us the depth of a long and faithful marriage. He wants for us the profound satisfaction of mastering the most meaningful and important of subjects. That is, living a full and fully sanctified life. Our Lord wishes to bless us with a complete and mature faith. That is, profound and fully formed trust in Him means that in addition to the foundational faith, which grasps rather the promises of the gospel, the good news of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, the Lord wishes to give to us the gift of a faith that is rich and varied, a tapestry of meaning, a faith that gives birth to a worldview whose diversity and complexity and profundity can satisfy the most intense hungers of both heart and mind. Our Lord wishes to give us a storied faith whose foundations are older than creation and whose battlements look out beyond the end of the world to a horizon where the promise of a new morning lies hidden just beyond our sight, but whose glow lights up the skyline with the promise of a warm and spectacular day ahead. The person who comes to faith on their deathbed may indeed die in Christ, but their faith is like a glittering jewel of which they can only see one facet, the person who converts on their deathbed may indeed be saved. But what they will never have the chance to do is live in Christ. Know what it is like to walk daily with Him through the ups and downs of life. Those who come late to Christ may gratefully accept His offer of eternal life, but in doing so will not have time to learn the epic history of the promises of which He is the fulfillment that we reflect upon during this Advent season. And so they will stand in just a little less awe of that offer. They'll feel less camaraderie and even familial closeness with those 
who died facing lions and bulls for the sake of this faith, being burned at the stake or even being tortured at the hands of this world's bitter rivals to the authority and lordship of Jesus Christ. Even more, they will not get to experience the ordinary, enduring the ordinary moments of doubt that are part of a life of faith. Fellowship with those who died, trusting God's faithfulness when it was not yet seen. During the pre-Messianic age, people like Abraham and Moses and Isaiah and today, Jeremiah, who had to say on behalf of the Lord that the time is coming, but is not yet here. They may know Jesus as Lord and Savior, but they do not have time to know Him as the Lion of Judah, the Ancient of Days, Emmanuel, God with us, the Messianic Rose or the Bright Morning Star, the Great I Am, the Alpha and the Omega, our Great High Priest, the Pioneer and Perfecter of our faith, the same yesterday, today and tomorrow, the Key of David as we just sang, or the fulfillment of a covenant made with a wandering Aramean 42 centuries ago. They can't know him as the pillar of fire that led the Israelites out of slavery. The one who on the cross not only bore our sins, but became sin for our sake. The tree, the fountain, the light of the world to come as portrayed in the book of Revelation. He who was, and who is, and who is to come. The deathbed convert can never know the fierce joy of being called to a difficult but ennobling task, the daily battle of righteousness, of being part of what God is doing in the world right now. They can also never know the heart-rending grief of failing in their commission, of knowing the forgiveness of sins by Christ's grace, not only is the shocking and unforeseen turnaround at the end of the story, but rather the familiar but still surprising touch of the one who is at once our commanding officer and also a familiar old friend with whom we have bivouacked again and again and shared in intimate conversations the concerns of our lives, both great and small. Those who walk but a little while with Christ cannot know the most profound faith, that comes with entrusting to Him not only ourselves, but those we love well and on whose labor, on whose behalf we have labored in prayer for so long. Our brothers and our sisters, our daughters and our sons, our mothers and fathers, friends, mentors, wives, husbands and heroes, who sometimes live recklessly, 
who live sometimes in a pain of spirit that can only hide itself in savage bravado at choices made that then need to be defended. Loved ones who often die without evidencing a shred of saving faith, either in word or deed. To affirm and trust again and again in the goodness of God in Christ Jesus in the face of prayers not answered as we imagined. Loved ones untimely lost. The collapse of treasured dreams and aspirations. To trust Him in the face of a change of life circumstance or opportunity when we were convinced that God himself had by his providence put us exactly where he wanted us for such a time as this. Those who walk but a short while with Christ in this life can never know the harrowing and soul-filling depths of this relationship we call sanctification or discipleship. And we would be fools to envy them. As the season of Advent begins, as we think again on that glorious appearing of our Lord that is to come, the moment when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father, let us give thanks that God has seen fit to count us worthy to be numbered among those who get to walk the long march of faith. That He has empowered and blessed us with time and the courage necessary for the road that leads to paradise. That He sustains us even now and draws us back ineluctably to Him. For though all who inherit paradise will do so by God's grace and not by works of the law, we will not all have the same story to tell when we arrive. And those who did not watch themselves, who did not keep awake holding vigil for the promised day, who in the words of Henry V from the great play, he calls those now abed. They shall think themselves accursed that they were not here, holding their virtues cheap while any speaks who fought with us, fought with us here on our earthly pilgrimage, fought with us here as brothers and sisters in arms in the church militant, fought with us here as the church laboring in, for Christ, here as the church seeking to embody His will and shine forth His glory to the world. To Him who has seen fit to call us to so noble and high a calling, be all honor, glory, and praise now and forever. Amen. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Lord, the challenges, the changes, 
The difficulties and pain of life in this fallen world are great. But you tell us to take heart, for you have overcome the world. As the season of Advent begins again, may we look expectantly toward you, who are both the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. May we draw hope from your resurrection victory over death. May we draw strength from the spirit you give. May we look ever to you and be strengthened for your love and service. We ask this in your name, Jesus, for you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. 